Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams. We are live here at the 35th International Maintenance Conference in Marco Island, Florida. And my guest right now is an old friend of mine, Ray Marquez. Ray is the General Maintenance Manager at Doe Run Company. Ray, welcome. Thank you, George. It's Pleasure so, to be here. It's good to see in in live, in person. You know, Absolutely. it's been a while, right? Good to see you again. Yeah, yeah, very nice to see you. Thanks for coming on. Um, why don't you tell everybody who Doe Run is? Well, Doe Run is a underground mining company. We have five mines in a stretch of 40 miles. We process, we mine and process lead, uh, copper, and zinc, mostly lead. And we've been around for over 150 years. Wow, 150 years, that's amazing. So you must have an amazing, like your maintenance strategy, like, uh, you know, you've got a lot of things going, right? Things are good? We got a lot of things going. Uh, the nice thing is that it's like when you build up a reliability process, then you move and you get to do it all over again. <laughs> you know, know a little what, bit about I knew, that. I do know what that's like. <laughs> but that's rewarding, right? I mean, that's why we do what we do. We come into, you know, you come into a facility that needs some help, they hire you, and uh, and you turn things around, you you evolve everyone. So w walk me through your, how long have you been with Doe Run and what, was, what were things like when you got there? I've been with Doe Run eight months and we had no reliability. Our planning and scheduling was really poor. Our availability wasn't good. In fact, it was going down. We had a lot of uh, PMs that were too long or too short. Some equipment didn't even have PMs. So it was time for a culture change. Nice, so walk me, so, so all right, so you come into a place, 150 years, it's gotta have some pretty ingrained and entrenched behaviors. It does because it doesn't take a company two or three years to get to where they're at, right? They've been at it 30, 35 years. Right. So now you have this culture of we've always done it this way. And to me, George, culture change is like you're standing in the middle of the ocean with a feather trying to change the course of a freighter. <laughs> it's it's going to take a while. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. That's not an easy task <laughs> by any means. So when you come in and you assess what's going on internally, and you, you see the opportunity, right? We're not gonna say things are bad, they're not bad. Um, they're producing product and they're, they're doing their thing. But you, as with your experience, you see opportunity everywhere. How do you know where to begin? Well, you wanna start at the basic. For example, planning and scheduling is probably the very first place to go. Because how do you plan, how do you schedule your, your equipment, shutdowns, your equipment overhauls? Uh, just to change uh, packing on a pump, or change an impeller, or change liners in a mill, right? In mining equipment, it's big stuff. So it takes cranes, it takes a lot of planning, and you get to teach your planner that you don't just order the stuff. So you're gonna change some components. The planner needs to learn that, okay, it's here. Okay, I touched it, now I'm gonna kit it, I'm gonna deliver it to the uh, site where it's gonna be used. And that's where culture change starts coming in because you get the equipment, the uh, mechanics, you get the warehouse people involved and your planner, and it's slowly like a steam train. Starts slow, slow, and then it, it, it gets speed. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, you got such large equipment, heavy machinery, you don't just pull it into the garage and then figure out what you need and start ordering it because that, that's money, right? I mean, that machine needs to be moving earth. 
right. moving, moving, you know, material. So, it, you know, when folks, when you start to educate folks that you know they should have everything ready before that truck pulls in for service, what's their immediate reaction to that? Well, their immediate reaction is, okay, do I have the the parts? Do I have the oil? Do I have the filters? Do I have the injectors? Do I have whatever it is they're going to change, right? So now they're starting to think ahead. Right. Where before the truck was there, and well, what are we going to do with it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's figure out what we need, then we waste a bunch of time ordering it. Right. So, so what? So for the technician, though, when they see you embedding this process, initially they're probably thinking, I don't need somebody to go get parts for me and I, I don't need somebody to tell me what I need to do on the truck. But now, several months into this process, they probably see the benefits now that when the truck comes in or when the hauler comes in, um, they have what they need to get the work done. Walk me through what the change is like for them. Well, part of it is um, uh, COVID, right? Uh, before, parts were available, pretty easy. Now, you go to the supplier, they said, well, we don't have the parts. Well, what do you mean? You always had them. Well, our supplier doesn't have it because of COVID. You know, maybe their parts come from overseas or from another country, and it's been a delay. So that delay just cascades and it affects us. So now they've learned that, okay, I need this part. So as soon as they buy it out of the warehouse, they order it. But we went a step further. I told the planner, I said, okay, go into our CMMS and, and uh, develop the min-max. Because some of our equipment did not have min-max values. Right, right. So we did that. And now when we uh, buy stuff out of the warehouse, boom, it orders automatic. Yeah, it's replenishing, right? Yeah. That's a novel idea compared to just rummaging around and hoping you have something, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> but even that is a, a cultural evolution. Even that is different for people, right? And so you have to manage, manage them through that change curve, right? Whether you use the Kubler-Ross model or some other model, you, there's a period of time where they don't like the fact that they're being asked to change. They deny it. They go through, you know, all those things. Uh, and your job is to kind of make that curve shorter, right? Don't don't let it dip down so much. How do you manage that? With uh, how many how many technicians are you responsible with? Well, at one plant we have. We have 20, 20 mechanics underground, and we have 15 above surface. So we have 35. Right. And that's not including the electricians. So the best thing to do, George, when you begin this process, you get them together as a team. And you say, okay, where are we at? And you pick one or two projects or pieces of equipment that they always have to work on, the bad actors. Yeah. And tell them, okay, do you like to work under that truck all the time? No, because I get full of mud, okay. So this is how you don't get full of mud. So explain to them, you know, the culture change. Okay, we're going to change this to make your job better. Yeah. I never say we're going to reduce cost or we're going to make more production. No. I just say it is reliability is a value investment. And we go into the value, which is them, right? Not getting dirty, not getting the mud in their eyes. So when they see that, they say, Oh yeah, well it would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's you know that's great advice for anyone that's trying to um, get the support of the technical staff, right? You need them on your side, and the the 
the best advice I always give is just listen to them. Find out which where their headaches are and go take away a few headaches. Exactly. And then they'll trust you more and, and respect you more. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, managers come and go and they stay. Yeah. And they voice their opinion and when they're not heard, they stop talking. Yeah, that's exactly right. But when you ask them questions and you listen, it's like a breath of fresh air. And they tell you. You say, wow, you listen to us. Well, because it's important. Yeah. You know, your job is important because you're important to me. And when you express that gratitude, then they slowly but surely, they start, you start turning that freighter. <laughs> right, right, right. So uh, above that, though, you have senior leadership, right? So now you've got your boss's bosses that you have to convince that there's a difference between the cost of maintenance and the investment of reliability. How are you, how are you educating that layer? Well, last week I made a presentation to the board of directors and the CEO. And my first slide said reliability equals value investment. And I said many people think that reliability, reliability is maintenance. It's not, it's totally separate. I mean, you know better than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I said, and we'll see some examples. So I showed them examples on a compressor and a big air compressor. I showed them like examples on a, a drill that we use underground to drill into the heading. And we used examples, for example, a, a conveyor and various, and then availability is going up. Okay, how did we do that? Well, we picked two metrics, PMs and mean time between failures. The mean time between failures are going longer. PMs, we're adjusting. You know, some we had to do shorter, some longer. Some equipment, as I mentioned earlier, we didn't even have any. Yeah. And now we look at the BOMs. Some equipment didn't even have any. So you ex explain all that to them, and their eyes open. And then they start asking questions. So how, how fast can we do this? I said, well, it's not a matter of time. You, know, you gotta do it right. And you gotta do it first in the critical equipment and then the second critical and 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So they so they understood it, right? You, you were able to project to them what the value is and the, di the differentiator there, you know, it's always about what's in it for you, right? In terms of how we present. Mm -hmm. But the senior leadership, it's usually to the mission of the organization, financially, you know, what are all the, the major uh, goals of the company, right? Make money, be quality, good customer service, you know, all those things. Safety, all those things. Then down at the shop floor, it's more about making their job easier. Here's how I'm gonna make your job easier so that you can work on stuff you like to work on. And so, you know, for our listeners, I think it, what you bring up is, is directly in alignment with what we try to present here, which is what's the practical approach to reliability. And if you're trying to sell a program, it's, you know, at leadership level, here's how we meet your goals, and at the technical level, it's here's how we make your job easier. So I think you're, you're absolutely spot on. Yeah, I showed them uh, another example on bag houses. You know, nobody pays attention to bag houses, but they are a killer if you don't know how to manage them. Because they come with these, uh, these valves that have a little diaphragm, and it just goes up and down, right? So with time, air, water, you know, use, it cracks that little diaphragm, and when it fails, it fails open. So the air's always going out of it, right? And so one of the uh, executive VPs says, well, you know, don't you just shut it off? I said, you can't, because you're in a header. 
You know, you're, you're supplying 98 valves right. that supply 450 bags, right? So I said, what you do, I said, what we're doing now is we're going to this different valve that has a little piston. And when this valve fails, it fails closed. So you don't lose air. I said, how much do you think air costs? <laughs> I said, three-eighths. Okay, three-eighths pipe, you lose $27,000 a year. That's a lot of air. I said, that's not including the electricity to run the run compressor the yeah, yeah. to make the air. So it, it opened their eyes. Yeah, so you're right. You know, you show them the dollar value, the value investment. Right. And then at the shop level, I'm going to make your job easier. Right. Okay, so now it, this is awesome to me. So, so now you've got senior leadership going, okay, I get it, Ray. Go prove it. You know, go, we'll, we'll help you out. Go prove it. We'll support you. And at the shop floor level, you're starting to listen to what they have to say. Um, how, like, I don't know the size of your organization and how much you have to manage, but you've got to manage all that, right? You've got to manage the value delivery back to senior leadership. You've got to manage the cultural evolution at the shop floor, which takes active management. It's not just, hey, do this differently because I said so, right? You have to actively manage that. How are you faring with all that? I mean, what advice can you give people to manage that? Well, first of all, it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. But the first step that you need to take is you need to take your key floor shop guys, the wrench turners, out to the field. Like these valves on these bag houses. You say, okay, see that valve? Okay, so you go and you open one. I say, see this? You explain to them exactly how it works. Then you get the new one and says, see this piston? It'll fail closed. So, oh, so now our clutch and our mill won't fail because it'll have the sufficient air that it's supposed to have. Got it. So yeah, you, you have to, you know, spend time with them and energy. I think folks tend to not understand the amount of coaching you have to do when you're responsible for maintenance and reliability, right? right? There's an awful lot of um, bringing people's awareness and education level up. And to do that, you gotta be right next to them and coach them. Yep. And nothing has a bigger impact on, on reducing the dip in that change curve than being able to coach and mentor somebody right alongside of them. So that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah that's really, really good advice. Thanks, George. All right, so eight months in, you're already making some progress. You've, you've started down the planning and scheduling path. How are you faring with the whole criticality piece and are you guys working on that? Yeah, we started to work on it uh, about a month ago. But it, it takes time because um, what, I've, what I've had to do also is I've had to move people around, supervisors. So I found out who was good at underground mobile equipment. We had him working on a locomotive. <laughs> that makes sense. So now you make the change. So I have this thing that I call, you, pro, uh, you um, commission the people, then you commission the equipment. So commissioning the people means putting all the players in the right places your planners, Results, your supervisors. Yeah. So now you get them going. That's commissioning people. Now you got the right players in the right places. Let's go and commission equipment. Uh, a, I think it's great that you have the ability to do that because some people that are on the reliability side actually don't own maintenance, right? They're kind of like this internal consultant to the company right. and they don't get to do what you just talked about. So that's gotta be pretty advantageous for you to be able to make those assessments without it just being a recommendation, 
but to actually get some some muscle behind it and have people move around that's really good absolutely so people in the so people know where the bus is going right they're on the right seat in the bus all that good to great stuff right um, and so now you've got uh, some leeway, some some headway, and you're starting down to commission the equipment piece. Yeah. yeah. And so how? So what is your what is your approach to assessing that criticality? You have a team that does that. Well, we're building a team now, and then uh, we're going to get uh, a consultant to come in and, and give us a hand. Yeah. Because you know better than anybody, Drew. You can't do it by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you need some help. Yeah. And we have already identified the the consultant. So we're gonna start in. Thanks for not including January. us. Just, yeah. No, I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> so that's awesome. So and and I think you know folks also are hesitant to do those types of things, right? They want to try to do everything themselves. It's such a long journey, and there's so many pieces to this that um, require expertise that you don't need long term, right? right? Like if you go through the criticality assessment, you just get somebody's tool. You didn't need the, the expertise to create a tool. You get somebody to help do the facilitation, you don't need the expertise because once you've done it, now it's when new equipment shows up, it goes through the process, right? right? So I think you know where you use consultancies and how you use them to help you, I, I think matters. And people should um, hear from somebody like you that, yeah, you know, we, we don't need that expertise, so we kind of farm that out. And internally, we want to focus on the cultural aspects of things. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah, so things are happening. <laughs> it, it, absolutely, you guys are well on your way. And you said you're you're working on bill of material. Or are your planners? Is that who's building the bill of material? Yes. So if they order something and it's not yeah. on it, register it. Oh yeah, that's great advice as well. You know, it should be. It's really hard to say. Okay, bring somebody in to do bill of materials everywhere because no, no. that's just too much equipment. So as the planner orders things for a piece of equipment, make sure it's on the bill of material list. Yeah. Yeah, he puts it in Excel and then we export it to the CMMS. Right, right. And that's the right approach. Over time, you'll have a fantastic bill of material list. Yeah, and, and he went a step further. He's asking the mechanics, okay, what tools do you need? And Excellent. he's out there when, the, when they're doing the job. And then he writes it down and it's okay, so how long do you think this is going to take? So he writes that down. So we're getting there. The, the biggest thing is the maintenance guys, in eight months, they've already seen changes to the good, and they've, I don't want to say they buy in because you don't want to buy in, but we got them enrolled. Right. Yeah, and your goal is to build a few champions, right? And then those champions help create others. And, right. and yeah, yeah, that's outstanding, man. I'm, I'm super excited for where you're at in your journey. Um, also this week, uh, you're being recognized for um, your CRL black belt. Walk me through that. Yeah, finally. Uh, I started about, well, if you minus the, um, the COVID year, uh, I did all three years, right? Right. But, but it was hard because in mining, um, you know, reliability, you know, they're, they're about production. You know, get more, get more. Yeah. And they drive equipment into the ground. So then when you show them, listen, my equipment's going to go down because we're not going to drive it into the ground. And in eight months, I changed that culture. So now we have a dedicated day to do a PM in the in the mill department, the two mills, conveyors, pumps, compressors, everything. So 12 hours. And the production guys, the mining guys say, well, can you cut it to 10? I said, um, can we cut your production by 50,000 tons? No, well, that's what's gonna happen if my equipment fails tomorrow after we checked it. 
Oh, got it. Okay. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's been it's been a challenge, but you know what? It's rewarding. You know, I, I had um, my first two domains were were pretty easy because those were easy uh, to do. Justification was there, but the last three was uh, a little harder. But I learned a lot too. Yeah. I yeah, that's awesome. Well, congratulations Thanks, on George. your CRL black belt. I think that's amazing. And thank you so much for joining us on Own Practical Reliability. It was an absolute pleasure to see you again and to have a great conversation with you, Ray. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me, George. Excellent. Excellent. All right, so for Ray Marquez, I'm George Williams. Thanks for listening to Practical Reliability here live at the 35th International Maintenance Conference in Marco Island. Go make tomorrow better than today. Manager Workshop is a groundbreaking course that will transition the way you think about asset management. This course is constructed of 18 modules aligned with the skills required to become a certified maintenance manager. You will leave this session with a clear understanding of how to align with operational expectations and attain the stability and control that is required to enable maintenance. This advanced workshop is designed for any team and or individual who is a stakeholder in the management of maintenance. This series of 18 sessions will alter our perspective on what it takes to manage maintenance and deliver the aim of our organization. The knowing of the CMM is aligned with Uptime Elements Framework for Asset Management. For more information, including dates and locations, including virtual offerings, go to www.reliabilityweb.com events and click on the Certified Maintenance Manager icon.